مرحبا بكم في برنامج رجالة الأفلام. Attention, the movie guys love movies. Any comments about Dasekis closing the door on their most interesting man in the world campaign, while the actual most interesting man in the world is still at large, are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, Bill Murray? Ah, ah, I'm your head counselor. <laughs> Great drop. I am your head counselor. You went with the 35th most popular drop, but <laughs> awesome drop. <laughs> yeah. It was lying around. That's what's great about the <laughs> yeah. show. A couple of years in, it was lying around. Yeah. As soon as you played that, I was like, I think we played that like four years ago for something. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So I had a nice run, The Most Interesting Man in the World. That's 10 years. Mm-hmm. 2006, they launched that. Yeah. Jonathan Goldsmith. He's, he's Made right. that guy's career. literally started drinking that beer because of that ad campaign. That is it probably worked. the only commercial that I ever said, you know what? I'm just going to use that product now because that's the coolest thing in the world. Is it any good? Yeah, it's, it's decent beer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not the best, but it's affordable and interesting. Didn't they replace that with Benicio Del Toro, who's now clearly doing that for Heineken, right, or something? He's well, it's just- a Heineken commercial where he's being mistaken for Antonio Banderas, which oh. is hilarious. Oh, okay. oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of has like a, uh, I mean, he's like, I'm cool, that's why you drink this kind of vibe. I in guess one it, of the yeah. commercials I saw. Yeah, the only one I've seen is where tourists want to take picture of him, and he's like, this happens all the time. Don't worry about it. And then he mugs for the camera, and you hear oh. them off camera going, it's Antonio Banderas. <laughs> oh, <that's> <laughs> and then there's, what's even funnier about that commercial is that there's a parenthetical under Benicio that says, this is not inten- Antonio <laughs> Banderas. I don't know if that's a joke or necessary for the joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> most people go, that's really? Really? It's really? kind of like the, this is a closed course yeah. kind of uh, yeah, <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, driver, closed course. Don't do this. Hey, welcome to the Movie Showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling Movie Guys empire. We were wondering if maybe you wanted to get some frozen yogurt or perhaps a whole meal of food, if that would be agreeable. (laughs) You've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, characters, banter, bits, special guests, and more. As we broadcast from our studio, the Admirals Club, in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. They don't stop making movies, so we don't stop making comedy shows about movies, which means you can get a new show every week at themovieguys.net, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Vimeo, YouTube, and more. Absolutely free, wow. which is dumb, but we do it anyway. <laughs> it is not really a good, solid business no. model. No. And we encourage you to subscribe, especially at iTunes. Share and like posts, rate us, leave a review, please. We appreciate it. And if you do, still... You know, Paul, I'm in between paychecks right now, so <laughs> I was curious. I, I don't have any cash on me. How much is this going to cost? Now you're talking about listening to the show. Yeah. Right? Which is, we've already established. There's no charge. <laughs> oh, oh. But then you want to go, though, and leave a review or rate and repost us? Yes. Because yeah. that certainly should. Uh, you, will, you will not have to dig into your wallet. Uh-huh. Still wow. free. Still wow. free. Okay. One of those has got to change. Well. <laughs> We're also on WBAD.net Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, and the great WRFA 107.9 in Jamestown, New York, every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Basically, just search the movie guys on Google, Yahoo, or Bing. Uh, there's the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> and we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show in the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Karen Volpe. I'm a little fuzzy on the whole good-bad ah. thing. Bart Caius. You're the best in your row. Yay! And Adam Witt. The thermos, the chair, the battle game, the remote control, but that's all I need. Yes! <laughs> Joining us later in the show is the director of a new documentary, The Girls in the Band. Oh. Judy Chaikin Yay! will be here. Yay! Awesome. And as ever, we bring you... Movie Previews! Yes, if you're new to the Movie Showcast, movie (laughs) previews are kind of our thing. 
We're here for you, filling you in on what's new in theaters every week, because Hollywood just keeps cranking out movies. Crazy. And we do this spoiler-free, and there's no better week Mm -hmm. to operate in that vein, spoiler-free, than when we're on the verge of 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Another white woman in danger film. Just in time for spring break. (laughs) Plus, the brothers (laughs) Grimsby. an entire industry based on white women in danger. (laughs) Spring break. Uh, And uh, later in the show, it's the real gods of Egypt. There are rumors of a boy born in Bethlehem. You have your assignment. Go! Go! The Messiah is born. His star has been seen. He will deliver us. You seek your family from Nazareth with a boy named Jesus. Are they pronouncing that right? Jesus? Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're there, not. There's no biblical pronunciation that we're all. Oh, like Jesu? Yeah. Or well, I've heard that. It's in Aramaic. Songs. I don't know what it is in Aramaic. Yeah, that's what I'm They all spoke Aramaic, yeah. right? Not here. No, here they're probably speaking with English accents because the they're foreign. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's probably everybody's British. You'll yeah. get it. Oh, we explain that later, <laughs> yes. Because I love this trailer because there's no. Oh, Jesus is not coming in that sense. He's on his way. He's a young boy. <laughs> Did you get my email about the wave? There's a, there's a yes. Sw- oh, we'll be playing that too. Oh, you get that? Okay. Yeah, I don't know when that opens, but it's such a well, great I, noisy trailer. It's we have so to noisy. play it yeah, this exactly. week just for fun. Somebody was playing at the office, and I was like, "What are you playing?" It's like, oh, "It's the wave." It's some Swedish uh, disaster film or whatever. And I was uh, like, "Okay, I'm sending that to Paul because it's a hall of long. <laughs> I mean, it looks pretty cool. All the way. It does look pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, and there's not a lot of dialogue in it in the trailer, so there's plenty of... I mean, I don't know if that's on purpose. I don't know if to do that with foreign films. Try to lure you in just in case. So, you know, I don't want, I don't want anybody to hear too much foreign language. <laughs> so then a lot of do-do-do-do-do fills in the gaps. It's great. We'll play a little foreign bit of that later. don't usually make disaster movies. Yeah. It, oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. Oh, what happened? What happened? Again? You know, it seems demand. like the year has just started and this has happened. I don't like hearing this music because it means we've screwed up. We're sorry. It happens. Did we leave someone out of our death montage? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? In memoriam? In memoriam. That would be the death (laughs) montage. Wrong name for that. Chris Rock just said that. Let's bring out out Hugh Jackman to introduce the death montage. montage. (laughs) (laughs) we got to find a better name for that. But we did screw up in some form here. So uh, I'm sure many of you incorrectly get all of your movie news from us. Right. And so we throw things to Bart to tell us this week's retractions. Retractions! Yes, Paul, sadly it is that time again when we are obliged to set the record straight. Now, as even the most casual listener knows, those who listen in the bathtub, for example, first and foremost, we are journalists. Of course. Then massage therapists, then donut shop morning shift bakers, and then, and only then, are we entertainers. But first... Journalists. Journalists. As such, we pride ourselves on being not only accurate, but thorough and complete with our reporting, which is why it saddens me to have to bring to light the following error. Last week, we said this about Whiskey Tango Foxtrot and the recent trend of setting comedies in the Middle East. I would play that clip. Hmm. Uh, this whole send a, a, a Hollywood person we love and enjoy to the Middle East thing has become a genre, right? With Rock the Casbah and our brand is uh. Crisis. Mm-hmm. Paul, I know you went against the grain of the rest of the country in that you both saw and enjoyed our brand as Crisis. I stand by that. However, you should have been more aware that although Rock the Casbah and Whiskey Tango Foxtrot take place in Afghanistan, our brand as Crisis actually takes place in Bolivia. That's right. In and around the elections of that particular Bolivian country. Oh, gotcha. So Bolivia, the Bolivian country of Bolivia... 
or not as Bolivian the, as they used to be. But you know what's it, good is we got Sandra Bullock correct. We didn't think it was Julia Roberts. That's true. Well, thank you, Bart. It's important to point that out. Yes. But mainly I'm trying to say that all three films are set in a place you'd never want to go. So I'm not that wrong. No, you're not. Anything else? Uh, yes, one oh, more uh-huh. thing. Also on Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, and uh, this is personally my mistake. Here's me talking about the trailer music for that particular film. Okay. And have you noticed that the that much like uh, movies about Vietnam, um, uh, Watchtower was the song that they would always play sure. yeah, for yeah. Vietnam. Yes. There's there's a there's a soundtrack. Fortunate Son <laughs> is another one. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a song for the Middle East which is like hardcore gangster rap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do I sound like that? Is yeah, that what you I mean? sound no, just that's, like that. That's, that's unfortunate. Thank you just, for continuing to listen. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to lower my register a little bit. <laughs> oh, that gangster rap music in Whiskey Tango Foxtrot trailer is actually Missy Elliott's Get Your Freak oh, On, or yeah. Get Her Freak On, er. which is classified not as gangster rap, but instead as a mix of hip-hop dance and heavy bhangra elements, hmm. with bhangra being popular music and dance from the Punjab's, Punjab state of India. Oh. I, I feel another hmm. retraction coming on in the middle of this one. <laughs> 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 the song features a six-note bass that is a Punjabi melody hmm. played on a tumbi, hmm. a wow. stringed Indian instrument. Oh. Okay, let's hear Hey, that's the song I was doing. Yeah, that's the exactly. Song. I like okay. this song. And Paul, when you ask who would know, did I say that? As far as I know, it's trailer music, but it might actually be a real song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who would know? Yeah. Well, Paul, maybe we're not the music guys, no. but Get Er Freak On has a rich cinematic history, appearing in the films and soundtracks for Laura Croft Tomb Raider, A Walk to Remember, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, the basketball documentary More Than a Game, and the 2014 soundtrack to the Ike friend of the show, oh. Baron Holtz yes. film, Neighbors, yep. where the song was remixed with a song by the Black Keys. Heck, the song was even performed during last year's Super Bowl halftime show by none other than Katy Perry. Uh-huh. Oh, see, now there you go. You've worked a hot chick into all of your retractions. <laughs> all right? It seems that every time we do re- every time we do retractions, they right. end up being some way for you to simply say on air how attracted you are to this or that actress, okay? Mm-hmm. I think it was Sofia Vergara last time. Mm-hmm. Now it's Katy Perry. So mm-hmm. go on, do your spiel where you hit on Carrie, Katy Perry and ask her out. Go ahead. Actually, Paul, that's that's all I have on Carrie, Katy Perry. Oh. So, <laughs> oh, but we do have one more retraction. It was Adam this time, what? and it was a couple of weeks ago. What oh, did let me you play. Say, Adam? Eventually, Deadpool ends up on ends on a mission to save his kidnapped girlfriend, played by Marina Bakarin. Uh, you heard Adam there, unfortunately, mispronounce the name of the actress who played Vanessa in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. He said Marina Bakarin hmm. when it's actually pronounced Marina Bakarin. Morena Beckerin. See? The internet backs you up on that. Now, if I could, Paul, take a moment and apologize to Miss Beckerin. Morena, we here at the Movie Guys do humbly apologize for getting your name wrong. I've searched the internet, read numerous articles and interviews about you, and of course looked at hundreds and hundreds of photos. But I didn't act quite fast enough to inform Adam before we recorded the Mm. show back in February. For that, I am truly sorry and would like to apologize in person, perhaps. This Saturday, over dinner, the Ivy in Beverly Hills, I'm thinking nine-ish. The reservation will be under Mr. and Mrs. Baccarine. I mean, Baccarine. <laughs> oh, great. Retraction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
enough of your dumb And that's how you snake a hot chicken. What's wrong with Katy Perry is what I'm hearing. Well, I was I stopped nothing. No. I just stopped them. Yeah. Oh, all right. And I, I didn't stop him again. Although she's uh, a little goofy looking without makeup. Oh, oh good lord! I'm really? Her eyes, her eyes are kind of close together. Her eyes are kind of close together. They're huge. Da da da. Paul, those are not her eyes. So yeah. I know. I need that. I need that flaws drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow down I your voice. I have it right Flaws. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. That, that's, this is how that song begins. That that's a great song. Oh. Yeah. Which sounds like a different nationality as well. <laughs> sounds like Ayman Saman when he introduces our show. Yeah. So maybe the guy is saying, welcome to the movie showcast, and it goes right into the Missy Elliott. He should do that. Welcome to the last word is phlegm, I saw I heard that. the last word phlegm in his introduction? Sounds like it. Play yeah. the introduction again. Is it phlegm? Is the last word? Marhaban bikum fi bernamig regalat al aflam. God bless you. That's Tell us, Flem. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think you summed it up pretty well. <laughs> All right, last week we bid a fondue to the strange assortment of February movies and began the slow walk to respectability, mm. or whatever Superman versus Batman is. <laughs> that walk begins with something scary off camera. Oh, it's going to be so Ooh. good. Otherwise known as 10 Cloverfield Lane. <gasps> Bart, yeah. let, let's talk about it. Here we go. <laughs> Messing with the cues. Screwed up my order. All right, here we go. From producer J.J. Abrams, producer of Cloverfield, comes 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, oh, producer J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. He made Star Wars The Force Awakens. Huge hit, that movie. Now, no, you're thinking of writer, producer, director J.J. Abrams, who also made Mission Impossible 3. Oh, well, I love him. Hashtag Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, this is simply producer J.J. Abrams, who made Lost. Alrighty, I'm out. All right. Well, if if the word Cloverfield in a movie uh, title feels familiar, it's because J.J. Abrams also produced Cloverfield, the found footage movie about a giant monster invasion. Mm -hmm. Or if you live in Culver City, it's a street there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Ten Cloverfield Lane is a cousin to 2008's Cloverfield and tells the story of a woman who wakes up in a doomsday bunker with a prepper, his son and daughter, who've holed up in their underground shelter to await the results of the 2016 presidential campaign. (laughs) John Goodman captures a young woman and holds her captive, presumably to eat her. (laughs) We're just kidding. John Goodman has recently lost a lot of weight, precisely because he stopped eating young women. Actually... He kidnaps her here for her own safety, or to kill her. They're going to kill that poor woman. They're going to kill that poor woman. Right on. Hot on the heels of Room, women being held captive season continues as Hollywood once again shows the world just how much it values women, from paying them less to star in their movies to treating them like property in their movies. Ah, yes. Please, Hollywood, tell me which candidate to vote for for president because you clearly have the most objective (laughs) and reasonable perspective of the world. And so concludes Bart's political commentary for this week's showcast. Notice he said concludes. (laughs) Oh, okay. We're done? we're done. (laughs) After crashing her car, Mary Elizabeth Winstead takes a break from waking up in my dreams to waking up to find herself handcuffed to a wall in an underground bunker, as we mentioned, and held captive by a man named Howard, played by Goodman. Howard tries to convince Michelle, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, that he has squirreled her away underground like a human acorn for her own safety because the world has come under a chemical attack and everyone has been either killed or contaminated. But Michelle soon comes to doubt the reality of her situation and decides to find out for herself whether or not she has been saved or kidnapped. And in a desperate attempt to escape the underground bunker, she encounters someone equally desperate to get in. 
crazy people in want to get out, and crazy people out want to get in. Sounds like the Republican Party. Seriously, now <laughs> Bart's political rant is done. <laughs> For the record, uh, you didn't read ahead in the script, Karen. No. For the record, that's correct. <laughs> I don't read and anything. For the record, I wrote that joke. <laughs> so. Bar, if it doesn't have a K in front of it, I don't read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and for the record, taking a young woman to your basement and telling her you've saved her life from a chemical attack that yeah. has left the outside uninhabitable, worst pickup line ever. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self. Uh, write as that the, down, Bart. <laughs> as the production design budget falls, the tension rises <laughs> as, their, as their guest questions the truth about what's really going on outside. My guess is a giant creature is attacking T.J. Miller, and he's filming it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the tagline for this film is, Monsters come in many forms. Mm. Let's hear a clip. Okay, you remember the fifth grade? Yeah. When you spent all your time passing notes to Susie Boyles? Loved it. The rest of us were studying geography. This is not <laughs> Mongolia. Uh, would, would you listen to this? Blame it on the little guy. How original. He must have read the schedule wrong with his one eye. That, that might have been Monsters, Monsters Inc. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Monsters Inc. <laughs> Spoiler alert, yes. she was in room the whole time. Oh. Oh. How is that a spoiler? Uh, it's not. Things are just funnier if you yell, spoiler alert, before saying them. <laughs> spoiler alert, that wasn't chicken. <laughs> <laughs> See? Funnier. <laughs> not really. Oh, okay. Well, lesson learned. All right. There we go. That's Congratulations, marketing team. I really want to see this. I just want, I don't want anyone to tell me anything. I don't want anything. Don't this is tell actually me. an example of where the trailer does a really good job to make you want to see the movie because I don't know. I don't, I don't want to know. know. This is more. This is J.J. Abrams, right? Yeah. He, he loves keeping a secret. He loves, yep. what's the TED talk he did? You've it's seen the that, magic right? Magic box. The mystery, mystery, mystery box. box. Yes. He does the, he says, I, I can't remember what the whole TED Talks thing is, but yeah, every time he's, he just loves unfolding this sort of thing. Mm. And then even with Star Trek and stuff like that, he's famously kept certain things secret, which would bit him in the ass, the con thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I still, eh, great, keep it secret, who cares? Like, we figured it out, but yeah. we also thought we figured out things about The Force Awakens well, that weren't true. Well, and that lo the, 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 oh, Lost, the ending yeah. of The Lost was kind of picked out a few years before, and they said, no, it's not that, and then it was well, that. Uh, Wait, so there was but, an ending to Lost? I never saw the ending. Well, the good no, gave up. but the essence is, that's the point. But the good news is, there's not a lot of time between now and when we can see this yes. for anything <laughs> to come up to bite him. I smell movie pass Saturday night is what I smell. Yeah. yeah. But right, this trailer that. does a great mm -hmm. job of showing you just a little bit of both sides of the coin. Yep. She may be captive. She may be kidnapped. She may mm -hmm. be saved. There might be trouble outside. There might not be trouble outside. Yeah, we great? don't know. Yeah, oh, great. Here's yeah, yeah. another thing they hide from you, which I thought was amazing. I was looking at it to see if anybody was having a birthday. And there's three people in that building, the the room. There's the woman, John Goodman, and then another man. And that man, I had no idea, but I love him on Newsroom. He's the oh, really like John, John Gallagher Jr. plays Jim on Newsroom. Yeah, yeah. the really likable oh, guy, but he's got for him so much beard you can't see him. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to appear in more stuff. Oh, he's gonna be great. Yeah. He's really likable in that well, show. Well, this is this is a compression of a cast too. They are just there for I assume most of this movie. Dude, it's your one location. I love the one location yeah, movie. This it. is like Richard Linklater's tape, man. Just yeah. get people in a room and put on a really good play that yeah. you can have coverage of. Your T-shirt says it all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there we go. Your hateful hate eight. Exactly. How that one how room. Yeah, and then it's just such a brilliant, the way he lays out mystery. He's a character like Alfred Hitchcock was. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't have, like, when you look at Alfred Hitchcock and the way he was an active participant, like, the Psycho trailer is, mm -hmm. is him presenting it and knowing that you know part of the plot of Psycho and making fun of it and stuff like that. But anyway, I feel like J.J. Abrams is this master showman because 
he makes us do that go oh i don't know anything about that how dare you but we want to know in a way that we don't with any other brand of this filmmaker. wasn't even announced as being a release this year right? yeah. the it just kind of came out yeah. yeah so like a month before a month and a half and it does have something to do with the other cloverfield we'll I see uh, ish Ish. Oh, also, don't go to IMDb. There's, uh, oh, okay. The, you could get spoilers if yeah. you just look at like the cast list. Yeah, don't look. That, no, yeah. but, I'm so uh, in for this. But one thing I found in the writing credits that should be noted: Damien Chazelle's name, who wrote oh, and directed yeah. Whiplash. He wrote this. He oh, co-wrote nice. it with the two guys oh, who came up with the story. God. So he's oh, involved. I like nice. that angle too. <sighs> so exciting. And uh, early reviews are great. So great. Uh, oh, and we have another uh, trailer sound effect. Oh, really? To recognize. Oh, we take us place in the Great Hall of Boong. This isn't quite Boongy. Like we all remember Boong. I love the just the Hall of Boong is yeah. my favorite thing. I love it. Hey, by know. the way, I make a request right now. Mark it down. Uh, patent pending. Yes. Uh, you've got to find all the Boongs we've used and yes. play them one. They're lying after around another. with I Bill swear, Murray clips. In with it, like just take. We'll take another year. We'll make yeah. sure we get them all. But then we're gonna just do one episode just called the Hall <laughs> of Boong. Just play the Boongs. So for those of you who may be not in the know, if you listen to a trailer and you get that Boong, so we talked talked about it already. Uh, there's. You know, Adam, that would be a great episode because it reminds me of the episode I've always wanted to do of, of America's Funniest Videos, yeah. which would be nothing but a half hour of crotch shots. <laughs> just but relentless. Minutes, no setup. No setup. Over yes. and over and over. I promise you, highest rated half hour in television history. Cut like a Michael Bay film. Yeah. Just like one after another. Nut shot, nut shot, so I think nut we shot. need to hear Blong done that way. <laughs> well, here's the original. You can, well, imagine you that could to put this Blong, yeah, on that. Here's the original Blong from imagine Transformers. Nut shots to this. I think Transformers 2. Okay. Oh. Wait, that was not nearly loud enough. Say we, we've come a long there way. <laughs> oh. Here's another one. I think this is from the Purge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with a little fart noise. Yeah. Ah, oh, little farts. <laughs> and of course, uh, Battleship was also one of my favorites. Oh. That was a good ball. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And that's all that was just so the word battleship could appear. It was at the very end of the trailer. Yeah. To let you know what you're watching. Now, this isn't a Bwong, but it's kind of cool effects. Uh, hinting at perhaps a monster. This is from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Something's coming. Just kind of a... Oh. more of a scream than a Bwong. It sounds like a... Yeah, somebody could be <laughs> scrambling. It's like a ripping, you know, pirate who shoves the knife into the mm. sail and rides it mm. down type of sound. Something's coming. Godzilla show them, I guess. Adam, you wanted the wave? Here's, yes. here's, your, here's oh. your bongs from the wave. It's a movie that's out right now. Oh my god. It's like a Blue Man Group concert. Broke out in the middle of your trailer. I was just going to say a marching band could play this. <laughs> I think she whispered Gina Tay in the middle of that. Gina Tay. Gina Tay. I think that's the actual wave yes, finally yes. coming that's in to kill everybody. Do, 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 do. Kong. Kong. In marching band, whenever you go from location to location, you can't just march without some sort of a beat, so they have this cadence that they play. That would be a great cadence to get you from place to place. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Our next film features crude language, lots of references to private parts, and might actually make you dumber after you watch it. No, it's not the Republican debates. Oh, zing. It's the Brothers Grimsby. Adam, let's talk about it. Woo! 
Say, do your born movies not have enough fat, naked, Middle Eastern men rolling around naked on a hotel bed? <laughs> or maybe your Mission Impossible movies seem to lack a certain gay Austrian fashionista. Well, then you're in luck because Sasha Baron Cohen's Borat Borat's up the spy thriller genre with his latest movie. Hot on the heels of last year's impressive slate of James Bond films, including Kingsman, The Secret Service, The Man from Uncle, and Spy, comes the Brothers Grimsby. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen plays Nobby, one of the two brothers growing up together in an orphanage until they're separated by adoptive parents who wanted a child, not children. After being separated, the brothers end up taking radically different paths in life. Oh, so one becomes a member of ISIS. No. no. Oh, but you said that they were radically different, so I just assumed. You assumed wrong. Uh, Bart, we got this, okay? okay. Right. Uh, one brother grows up to become a family man and well-beloved friend of all in a small community, while the other grows up to become an assassin. Oh. Wait, you know what? I think you might be right. Now, uh, no, it says here that the other brother grows up to become a special agent of MI6. Okay, right. ISIS, MI6. Big difference. Okay, we got this. Okay. After accidentally <laughs> foiling, or is that spoiling? Wait, what's the difference between foiling and spoiling? Uh, well, know. foiling usually involves exposing the fact that there really weren't any ghosts, and it was just grumpy Mr. <laughs> Weatherby in a rubber mask all along. Big Scooby-Doo reference. <laughs> Right, so in this case, uh, soccer hooligan doofus Nobby spoils his brother Sebastian's latest assassination attempt on a bad guy by accidentally making him shoot a good guy. So, the botched assassination attempt leads the rest of the world to believe that Sebastian is a rogue killer agent. And so Nobby and Sebastian have to team up to clear his brother's name and save the world. I'm guessing. Maybe. Actually, I, I think I just threw in the saving the world part in. I mean, how far, how far off can I be, right? They can have some sense. If there's one actor who should be in everything, it's Mark Strong. Lump, beef broth. Touch, rust rod. Reef, blast body. Big, McLarge, huge. Ah! Smoke, man muscle. That's the best. And he does his part here by at least being in this. <laughs> he, play, he plays Nobby's brother, Super Agent Sebastian Butcher. The most best of the best of the best <laughs> since Gerard Butler last week. You like Mark Strong, uh, Mark Strong don't you, Adam? Huh? I mean... The Mark Strong, the imitation yeah. game. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. I don't. I, I don't know. What to, uh, Wait, Green Lantern. Oh, Mark Strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love him. Oh God, he looks good in this. He's uh, playing Jason Statham, playing Bruce Willis. <laughs> and it's February all over again, as this film also stars How to Be Single's Rebel mm. Wilson and Zoolander 2's Penelope Cruz. Is this what they call the Groundhog Day effect? <laughs> oh, that's right. Rebel Wilson is in this. Uh, yeah, because uh, that's the law now, I guess. And um, uh, I loved her, of course. Uh, I guess we just can't uh, get enough of her. That's your brother. Why have you been all these years? I've been busy. Congratulations, by the way. When are you due? I'm not pregnant. I'm just fat. See, she's uh, charming, charming and, uh, and or funny, isn't she? Isn't she, everybody? Well, yeah, that's what they tell us. Rated R for violence, language, graphic nudity, which means dicks, <laughs> and strong, crude sexual content, which means dicks in things. <laughs> so perfect for your average 13-year-old. I'm expecting a box office bump for Zootopia, but uh, with plenty of empty seats. I think they missed a marketing opportunity here. The movie might do much better if it were called Dicks, <laughs> Dick Jokes, Dicks and Things, and Dicks Blowing Up. <laughs> A few reviewers I read said that the comedy was funny, but it's not a good movie. Remind me to uh, turn this little bit of comedy prejudice on his head the next time I review a drama as good, but not funny. There you go. That's true. Yeah. <laughs>
That's the Brothers Grimsby. I'm so aware of comedy prejudice now and reviews guess, like that. Like, you can't review this movie. Right? <laughs> you just it's can't. a force of nature, and you're allowed to be that. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit I was lukewarm on The Dictator. But, oh, yeah, but that, of that course, Borat. Totally that, forgot about Bruno. that one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That one kind of... I, I was assuming this was his next one since his last one, so which was not The Dictator, but rather... Bruno? Bruno, yeah. yeah. Mm. Borat. Bruno. Was Borat the one where you amazing. fell out of your chair? Yeah. Borat Borat's was the one, the one that, yeah, everyone just, loved. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I was, I've was. i been to a bunch of movies yeah. with Paul, clearly, over the years. It's a visceral and we were watching Borat, <laughs> and he started laughing really hard when the naked guy was running yeah, around the hotel. Because it just <laughs> it did amazing. Stop. Never and it stopped. never stopped. And he finally he threw oh himself from the chair to the ground so he could deal with himself. Oh, he was just laughing so yes. hard. I, I did the same thing during Bruno. <laughs> yeah. That ending where where he goes not gay right. and he goes to the not gay preacher. He does all this sort of kind of social commentary stuff that's just hilarious pranks and then he ends up becoming an MMA fighter in a cage match. Straight Dan or straight something? Straight Dan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Like what kind of like wrestler or whatever just puts the word straight in his name right. and he advertises it, brings all these people in and then he just makes out with a guy in front of all these people who are there to watch someone fight and who are probably not that kosher with gay and uh, they're throwing stuff but he's inside the cage they can't do anything to him and he's just, so it's just such pure torture. Oh God, it killed me. I, I fell out of my chair yeah. for that one. I couldn't believe how well set up, up that was. Yeah. Did I mean, the dictator get the same kind of uh, critical rub that this one's getting because it's it's I mean it's him is this acting. getting lukewarm reviews. Well, I don't know. We were just talking about how. Oh, I see the, the Adam's comment about yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, the dictator is the same. Type yeah, of dictator movie. was less of an event. Yeah, I mean Borat and Bruno, I think, were the big. Yeah, ones. well, it's obviously a different format. I mean, the dictator is just. Does he do any stunts in well, dictator? I, was the, the dictator? Uh, it was a. a There's a straight narrative, purely, right? Purely cinematic. I think so. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't a. I think people are onto him no, now too, yeah, you know, yeah. so he can't do too much. Yeah. So he's being an actor. Yeah. In this one as well yeah. as dictator. And he well, wrote it. Was Borat the one where he was interviewing J Lo? Was it? And he Pamela Paul Abdul somebody. Yeah, and he's just like just sit on that. I can't remember what it was. No, that was Bruno. That must be Bruno. That was Bruno. That was Bruno. Oh, that was Bruno. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He goes yeah. to Charlton Heston's house, I think. With the guns. With the guns. Yeah. And he leaves. That's, that's, that's Bowling for Columbine. That's oh. Bowling for Columbine. <laughs> Wait a minute. So Bowling for Columbine, J-Lo had somebody <laughs> no, beat no, no. furniture for no, him? No, you're, you've Michael worked Michael Moore in here. So. had someone sit on him. I honestly confused Michael Moore, the, the poor apps. Seriously, now Bart's political rant is done. <laughs> Honestly, it. Paul, I confused those in my head. Because you had said... <laughs> Stunt movies. Yeah, you had said yeah. that the furniture thing. That was Bruno, though. I uh, think so, yeah. Hey, you know what sold this movie? Did anybody see... I mean, it was j If anybody hasn't seen no, the... Paul uh, Abdul, right? Gloria Estefan. Oh, was Paul, no, no, it was wasn't Paul Gloria Abdul. Estefan. Yes. Gloria Paul, Estefan. I believe it's Paula Estefan. <laughs> no, Gloria Abdul. <laughs> Gloria Abdul. Uh, Gloria Abdul. That's the greatest, like, whole... Uh, <laughs> that's a great so Garfunkel dumb. notes name. That's your mom trying to figure out what song's on the radio. Gloria Abdul. Paula Estefan. That's hilarious. And the Miami something machine. And of course, Mark Strong uh, is the best, right? We, 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 we goofed that you don't uh, know who he is, but you know who he no, is. No, no. We love was, who he is. That was a bit. I was playing a character who sounded just like me who didn't know who Mark Strong was until I came to Green Lantern, that, which is a bit of a play on my personality. Didn't know that he was awesome in uh, Kingsman. Didn't know he was awesome in uh, Kick Ass. Didn't know that he was awesome. Etc. Stardust, right on down. The guys, kick ass. Yeah. He's amazing in kick ass. Yeah. But speaking of the world's most interesting man in beer commercials, Mark Strong did a really great Budweiser commercial. 
He did a couple, really? two or three series, yeah. And there's one where he's standing out in an alley, and the guy walks up to a door, and the door says, you know, uh, private entrance. Yeah. And he does this little soliloquy. He's like, he, he says, uh-oh, a sign. They mean business. Wouldn't want to go through a door oh. with a sign on it, would you? It's this real oh, tough guy. This up. Yeah, it oh, sounds for, amazing. It's for like uh, Budweiser Amber oh. or Budweiser King or something. Yeah, one of those are. Yeah, around. some spinoff beer. It's good because he's not used enough. It's like he's yeah. such a bargain. It's like why is he not in the movies three or four times a year? Because he should just. He's awesome. All right, on to our final film. Uh, this Easter, moviegoers will <laughs> witness the miracle of God made man. Sent to humanity to save us. But enough about Superman. Ah. This week, moviegoers will see the story of Jesus in The Young Messiah. Karen, let's tell the people what it's about. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make it exciting. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Finally, a film comes along to answer the question, what kind of insufferable millennial know-it-all was Jesus as a young person? <laughs> I'm dead. I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> If movies like Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot, and The Hurt Locker confirm your thoughts that the Middle East is a horrible place, here comes a story of hope from that miserable abyss of pain and suffering. The Young Messiah tells a virtually untold tale of Jesus of Nazareth's early life, how he discovered his abilities and became a hero to millions. So it's kind of Jesus Begins. Swear to me! Much like Risen, which is still in theaters, the Young Messiah... Mm-hmm. The Young Messiah <laughs> tackles a new and interesting angle on the life of Jesus as it explores Mary and Joseph's struggle to explain to their seven-year-old son why he has powers beyond those of mortal men. I think we have a clip of that. Even though you've been raised as a human being, you are not one of them. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. But if you know anything about Mary, this isn't the first time she's had a lot of explaining to do to a man about the unexplainable. Yes, it's Jesus, the Wonder Years, where a seven-year-old boy named Jesus Bar Joseph learns about life and love long before ever adopting the stage name Jesus Christ. <laughs> his family must move away from Egypt when young Jesus starts discovering his unique powers and receiving report cards which admonish him for bringing dead birds back to life, <laughs> acting holier than thou, and walking on the water fountain. Got an S minus. <laughs> you know that's actually not in the Bible? Huh? And neither is this movie. But is the story of Jesus based on a book? Ooh. Wait, what? I was kidding. Of course the movie is based on yeah, the, the Bible. Bible. By Anne Rice. Wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait a minute. What? Huh? Wait. Yes, the master of gothic fiction takes yeah. a break from writing about the undead to tell the story of Jesus. <laughs> well, I guess that is more of a lateral move than I was thinking. Really? Still a book. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. This movie is uh, based on a book. Based on a book. Wow. Oh. Right, we, there's enough. Oh, wow. uh, the story of Jesus is inspired <laughs> by Anne Rice's novel, Christ the Lord Out of Egypt. I wasn't going to go until I learned that. Now I'm all excited for some Dracula Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Dracula Jesus. <laughs> for the majority of the production, the film was even called Christ the Lord. But... Shortly before release, Focus Features decided to change the title to The Young Messiah. Mm. Because I guess they didn't want the movie to sound too religious -y. Either that or they wanted to cash in on appealing to the children's market, you know, like they did in Muppet Babies. Mm. Smart move. <laughs> yeah. to, the, to the filmmaker's credit, the young boy playing Jesus seems very well-tanned. <laughs> but again, everyone in ancient Egypt seems to still have vaguely English accents. Yes. Keep your power inside you <laughs> until your Father in Heaven shows you the time to use it. 
Lord Father in heaven, guide me on this path. 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 <laughs> Relatively unknown actor Adam Greaves Neal plays Jesus. See, now I can do it too. Yeah, I can talk well like done. Middle Eastern. You're, not, you're straight from the Holy <laughs> Land. <laughs> hey, no pressure, kid. Just so happens that one of the your first major roles as an actor is to portray the savior of all mankind. Mm. I mean, it's not like you're seeing dead people or spouting off random facts like how much a human head weighs. Now, nah, you're just telling, <laughs> trying to embody pure righteousness. Oh, wait a second. Wait a minute. You're an actor. Righteousness is right up your alley. Isn't that right, Sean Penn? Oh. Uh, speaking of Sean's, yes. Sean Bean <laughs> plays Severus, a Romid obsessed with killing a seven-year-old. <laughs> what is it with guys named Severus and their obsession with spell-casting youngsters? But fear not, <laughs> Sean Bean always gets his in the end. Now, this is the coveted time slot where Passion of the Christ made a bundle at the box office. So, if it's a hit, expect more Jesus coming-of-age films like... Are you there, God? It's me, Jesus. <laughs> Pretty and light brown. And the young messiah, Bandcamp. Oh. There hey! we go. We only have a few seconds to talk about this one. we got to get our guest in here. Adam, yeah. you should like this because there's a great scene where like Jesus yes. shows back up in Nazareth. And uh, he's in the marketplace, and everyone's like, holy crap, Jesus is here. It's a lot like in Phantom Menace when like two Jedi were on the ship. They're like, oh, crap, yeah. there's two Jedi. What <laughs> two do we do Jedi. now? Yeah, exactly. They're wearing robes. Yeah. <laughs> there's this tiny little seven-year-old boy. It looks like he's about to kick everyone's ass. Why haven't they gone that <laughs> straight-up angle? Just make it seem like it's a Star Wars movie. No, oh, right. Right. Thing. Put yeah. the font the same, you know, the young Messiah, Jedi. Talk about a whole lot of nothing. I, I throw this to the table. Is. Who's yeah. going? I, I'll t- to this movie? I'll yeah. tell you the one I'm. I, I'll tell you the one I'm, I'm thinking of seeing. Besides the one that looks like Silverhawks, that's the Gods of Egypt. Risen. That's yeah. another. Oh, that's another Gods, gods movie gods in the yeah. last few weeks. But there's Risen. I would go see Risen because I've explained the plot of this. The funny thing about us doing this podcast is somehow I know the plots to every movie yes. because we have to mm-hmm. write about it and talk about. It. Yep. So someone said something about Risen. And I go, oh, that's a movie. Da, 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 da. And the plot of that movie is so great uh, because again, we never think. We just think. Jesus wasn't in the tomb, and that is, of course, he is a sinner. Where did he go? Where did he go? Da, 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 for our sins, boom, the rest is history. Uh, but to, to be there on the spot at the time with no forethought of history, <laughs> to two guys coming to the tomb and going, I, I don't know Yeah, there's a moment where two guys looked at each other and went, Oh, my God. I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was supposed to look after this. And, and the, the guy coming up to the thing and going, well, where is he? Well, look for him. Like, you know, <laughs> like the very human reaction of like, well, go find him. <laughs> yeah, there's a he whole couldn't. conversation yeah. that has to be had about <laughs> he, he was just in disappear. here just yesterday. Yeah. There's no died for our sins. Da, 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 da. That's not did an explanation. You, did you stand out in front of the tomb all night with your spear? Oh, all like, sorts of finger or pointing, Or did you right? fall asleep? <laughs> Gotta be all sorts of finger pointing on this one. No, no, no. It wasn't my shift. No, I left, but we had agreed that you would be here. Right? Now that you said you wanted some falafel, so I go to get some falafel. Now, that's all in the Bible, but all the, the child stuff is just mere conjecture, right? Like the whole movie is just making it up. Right? I think this movie, yeah. Like, yes, I don't think yeah. this is it's in the, the Bible. It's the part that's not in the Bible. Right. He's born, then he's like 30, right? Well, yeah, right? Jesus, the life of Jesus, as I understand it, is there's a there's a big gap between what did he do between being born and disappearing some people suggest he went to China, and that's where he lo- learned a lot of his thinking and teaching, and he came back and he brought that. But I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, yeah. Let me explain it to myself. Uh, there's a period between Attack of the Clones and A New Hope, 
and there's like 10 years there that we don't know about. But then there's Star Wars Rebels, that animated thing. That sort of fills in the gaps. Fill yeah. in some yeah. gaps. That's what this is. If this were animated, you'd go. <laughs> that, that's what this is. <laughs> uh, oh, and th- but this is something I learned from the movie. Uh, this is Mary talking. I was just 14 when you were born. Right. I heard that too. 14. Four- but she didn't have sex. Oh, right. right. So it's yeah. okay. And uh, I think <laughs> Joseph was 20 years older than her or something. Because wow. that's how they did it back then. Mm-hmm. Honey, I have something to tell you. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the Joseph and Mary movie mm-hmm. should be called. Honey, <laughs> honey, <laughs> sit down. I, have to say. I know this is gonna sound weird. All right, that's enough time <laughs> devoted to new movies. Uh, let's talk to our guest, who not Yay. only has an interesting movie to chat up, but a career with a bunch of very cool yeah. high points we want to wow. talk about. Oh, this is awesome. Judy Chaikin, and she'll be here in studio in ten seconds. Stay tuned. <laughs> By the way, I, uh, Judy, I want to tell you that that is my friend who plays like a man. Yeah. <laughs> she's a woman. Right? But she's a woman. <laughs> That's uh, to our guest segment. We're already firing it up here with our guest uh, joining us in the Admiral's Club. For the remainder of the show is the director of a new documentary chronicling the role women have played in the history of jazz. Spoiler alert. A lot of sexism and racism. Can you imagine? Uh, the Girls in the Band had a great festival run. You can buy it at thegirlsintheband.com, and we'll find out where else you can see it as we talk to Judy Chaikin, everybody. Hey. Hey. Were you actually in a band? I was. Yeah. I was. When I was in junior high school, I played trumpet in the junior high school band. Where the boys made my life miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and this film is my revenge. <laughs> <laughs> were there not any other women in, or girls at that point in the there band? There were not. I was wow. the only girl in the band. Really? Yes. In the whole band? In the whole band. And what were you playing? What kind of music? It was I, all the jazz ensemble? No, no. This was a, this was marching band. A marching band. Yeah. Oh, I, right. I, if you're playing trumpet in a marching band, yeah. yeah that's right. testosterone. Well, it was junior high school, so we did some marching stuff, and we also did some, like, concertizing. Mm-hmm. But whatever it was, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Eighth grade boys are the worst. Hum- I would yeah. never mm-hmm. for a million dollars go back and live that year of my life again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so See, I, I can't imagine what it was like for you to be around those animals. It was, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. So now you've made this film, The yes. Girls in the Band. Yes. Uh, give us a brief recap of uh, what we can expect when, when we watch it. I mean, as it chronicles women in jazz throughout history, but w- what is what drew you to it and give us your take? Well, you're going to see a bunch of things that you never saw before. And even if you're a musician, there are things you never saw before. The film is filled with information that nobody ever heard about. And mostly from stories of the people who lived it. Yes, exactly. We were fortunate to get a lot of the women who had actually lived this life, who had been in bands, who had made careers of being musicians, and told their stories to us. And we started it about 10 years ago, and about a third of the women have passed away. Oh, so no. yeah, so we got them right at the end of the cliff. Wow. So we were really happy about that. So outside of uh, merciless teasing at the hands of eighth grade boys, what was the motivation behind putting this movie together, and and how is it that you knew all these women? And because you, you're no longer a musician, true? No, but I came from a family of musicians. Oh, okay. So everybody in my family was a musician. Uh, we all had to study some instrument. We all had to take lessons. I ended up marrying a musician. 
And I lived in the jazz world for most of my life. From the time I was like 17, I was just, I knew all the big bands. I went to all the concerts. I just lived that life. And one day, a friend called me up and said, I met a woman last night who's in her 80s, and she said that she was a big band drummer. Wow. And had a career. And I said, no way. I know all the bands. I know all the people in them. I know all the drummers. Never, no woman ever played in any of the big bands. So she said, well, let's look her up. So we looked this woman up, and it turns out that she was, in fact, a drummer with an all-girl band. Mm -hmm. And that was like, what? There were all-girl bands? Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning. Once I found that out, I just, I just couldn't stop. And one person led to another person, led to another person, and before I knew it, we were chronicling this whole, this whole world that none of us had heard anything about. And all the musicians in my family, all these guys, were like, really? So how, how, do you, how, how does that happen, right? How, how do you, who grew up in that world, yeah. and how do all these people that you know who grew up in that world have no idea that this, that this existed, that these people were there? Ah, History it, is male-washed, I there, imagine. There's the secret. Yeah. Ah. You know, Dr. Billy Taylor, who was a great jazz pianist, we interviewed him because he ran a big women's jazz festival in Washington, D.C. at the Kennedy Center. And he said, just remember, if it isn't written down... It didn't happen. Right. And nobody ever wrote about these women. There were big huh. bands. There were over 100 all-girl big bands, it, and nobody ever wrote about them. It, it reminded me of the movie A League of Their Own because a lot of the yeah, yeah. musicians got, the women got opportunities whenever the men went off to war. Mm -hmm. And that obviously was like a league of their own when they were able to play ball because the men, the male players were gone. So... Bart, I imagine we don't remember the names of those women either. And no, it, yeah. You know? I, league, of the, league of Their Own was a, a big eye-opening experience. Yep. I'm like, women played baseball? There was a league of women. Yeah. So, right. yeah. yeah. But my, my curiosity was how even you, who are somewhat of a connoisseur of this, was surprised to find it, out. In the film, women who were being interviewed yeah. don't know about the women that came before Successful them. Successful oh, wow. jazz yeah. musicians today were surprised by that. Now, exactly. did they all have sex with Tommy Dorsey? <laughs> Every one of them. Yes, because that's the only way women could get anywhere, I, I, to have did sex like, with two or three of them mention it? Well, one of them did. One, one of them, them did. did. One of them did. And then she calls him out as like, not the best she's had. That's <laughs> right. You go, girl. I love that moment. This, I loved it. You know, this is what I really loved about these women because every one of them, just like most musicians, are really performers. Mm -hmm. And when they got a chance to be on camera and talk about their lives, they let it rip. Mm -hmm. And they tell funny stories, and they're joyous, and none of them are bitter about this. No. They're all like, hey, well, that's how it was, but man, did we have a good time. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that was one of the things that I found redeeming or enjoyable about the movie is that there is tremendous sexism, and there's huge prejudice going on in that in that time, especially against the women who were playing. But they all, like you said, seem like they had a good time, and this is how the world worked back then, and we played within those parameters. Yeah, they did have a good time. I mean, look what the rest of the women were doing. They were staying home, staying taking home. care of kids, cooking dinner every night. Mm -hmm. These women were on the road. They were having a ball. They were doing what musicians do on the road. Mm -hmm. So even though they never got the recognition... They still... At least they, they had the lifestyle. They got to get out of the kitchen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I also thought it was really eye-opening that the um, when we think of racism, we think that black people are faced with racism. But in this movie, we see a very clear dis- depiction of the Jim Crow laws and the fact that a white woman was the one who had to be careful when she went down south because she wasn't allowed to be in a band with a bunch of black women. So then she would stay on the bus to make sure she didn't make their life miserable or her own miserable. And it was just so interesting to see that that white woman was stopped from doing things because of the reverse racism. Exactly. And yeah. as far as the sexism goes, there's a little, I'm going to play a little clip from the trailer and you'll hear from the mouth of one of the ladies uh, chronicled in the doc. Here we go. Some of the most powerful players that That's I not the lead. ever heard oh, okay. women jazz players. It happened to Kathleen Turner. For any musician of that age, the fact that she was a female was even more unusual. When you put the horn up to your lip or in your mouth, that was it. They would not call you. When I was substituting for a man one time, and the leader wanted to keep me, and all the men in the band got together and talked the leader out of it. And that's what happened in a lot of places. Yeah. The guys got together and said, get the woman out of there. What kind of guys are these? You yeah. want the women around. I don't understand. <laughs> no, no. They, Not then. They, they, they couldn't do what they wanted to do if there was a woman around. Yeah, well, they, that, that's her, true. Yeah, her they even say was, that. Right? Her explanation yeah. was, well, we can you know, swear and fart. And I'm like, yeah, you and, can. Get married. That's what they're there for. <laughs> and there's a moment where they, they just are suspect of whether or not the women are going to report back to the wives about their oh, behavior on the yeah, road. Yeah. Right. And something happens, I won't give it away, and they are finally able to go, oh, you kept your mouth shut. Oh. oh okay, oh, you're cool. you're okay. You're cool, yeah. Yeah, people are people. How about we all work together as a team as people? But uh, yeah. yeah, but there's even representation from some current uh, singers, Diana Krall. Yeah. Uh, Esperanza Spaulding. Mm-hmm. Right. Who I first heard about on, I uh, think, an appearance on Dave Letterman. So see how far we've come? I thought through, you know, to getting out there and playing, I've heard of her. Mm-hmm. So obviously that stigma is gone, now, and, thankfully. Here's something kind of interesting that you touched on a little bit in your doc that I know from life experience is my friend Sue, her sister. She, whenever I was in high school, she was older than us, and she went to New York City to pursue a career as a trombonist. She's a professional trombonist. And she pronounced trombonist. Uh, she's a trombonist. <laughs> and she would come back and tell us about when she'd auditioned for Broadway orchestras for the um, pit band. She would perform, they um, have them audition behind a sheet, mm-hmm. oh. behind a curtain, right. and they give them numbers so that they're not able to tell if they're a man or a woman because they need to um, even the playing field that way. Yeah, blind auditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that they're trying to get. Um, into the uh, New York Philharmonic, they're trying to get blind auditions yep. for women. I, I'm sorry, the the uh, New York Jazz oh. Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Winton Marsalis Orchestra has never had a woman in it, mm-hmm. and they're Ooh. trying to get blind auditions for that. But yeah, because it's like then the it's just of musical groups. Yeah. But that makes <laughs> sense though, because then you're just basing it. It's just like The Voice. That TV show, oh, they all yeah. have the chairs turned, and then the person starts singing, and it doesn't matter what they look like. They mm-hmm. could be the craziest-looking person, but if they have a great voice, they're given a shot. Oh, oh, blind. Okay, I thought... It w- I thought no, not I was, blind people. I was thinking it's hard to read music. <laughs> now, if, you go to, so dumb. if you go to the girls in the You saw that one coming. Right? Yeah, oh, okay. that's you'll, right. you'll, I was <laughs> blinded by it. If you go to the girls in the you'll see a, a big picture on the front page with all sorts of laurels. So tell me about the film festival run. Well, the film ran for two years in festivals. It won five top honors, including the Palm Springs Festival, which is a very prestigious festival. And um, 
and then it's played all over the world. I've been all over the world with the film. I've been to. I just came back from Sweden. I went to uh, Dubai with it. Where they really were blown away. Yeah, they couldn't understand. Wait a minute, women. Wait, what? What happened? You weren't lynched. You couldn't watch it. You could only listen to it. Yeah, right. See, you couldn't look at the women on the screen. They had to put in little burkas later. Now, is this your first only ever? Do you do more movies? Have you ever done? Have you directed before? I have indeed. I've been doing it for a long time. The first documentary I did was called Legacy. Legacy of the Hollywood Blacklist. Wow. And it was about the Blacklist. You're always scratching Hollywood. the surface here, aren't you? Oh, yeah. 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 I like to do things about things that are injustices in the world and try to, you know, bring some light to them. So uh, that's that's the kind of thing I do. And I do a lot of things about women and I do a lot of things about artists because those are the fields that interest me. Mm-hmm. Well, you yourself are an artist, too, because Paul was um, hinting a little bit earlier that you had worked with the Groundlings, and we were just chatting before you got on air, and it turns out that we all have a history with Second City, and you have a history with the people that started Second City. Right. Going all the way back. All the way back to Del Close and the committee here in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. and then later on a company called the Synergy Trust, and then the Groundlings. Did you see a similar dichotomy in improv groups? That it was a guy's game? Yes. I'm going to answer for you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I did see it, and it, and it, it is true, but I think at the Groundlings, it was less true. Oh, good. The good Groundlings, it really depended on your talent, and there were so many talented women there that it really, it, it really gave women a chance, so I loved it. Did the they have all female improv troops at the Groundlings? No. No, no. Mm-hmm. I've no. never had. I, I just recently started working with two women, and we do comedy together. And I have to tell you, it's a lot different than working with men. It it's a lot easier, mm. and you don't play moms and sisters. Mm-hmm. You never are. I'm never playing a mom or a wife. Mm. I'm playing a doctor who just happens to be a female, or I'll make a comment from the point of view of a woman who's drunk, but she's just a drunk, not like someone's mom who's drunk. Not. It's different. Subtle difference. I think at the Groundlings, we didn't go in for the mom and wife roles. Thank God. They did <laughs> no, at Second City. No. Yeah. We, 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 the women really stretched out. Oh, thank I you. mean, look at Julia Sweeney's character, Pat. I love that. That came out of my company at the <laughs> yeah. Groundlings. So. And, and Lisa Kudrow, another strong player yes. back when you were there. Lisa was now, also in my company. Yeah. Cool. So these were folks you played with or uh, folks no, I, you directed? I was directing by directed. that time. Oh, wow. great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, so I was directing. you went through the, and then went up, came back I, to direct. I didn't go through the Groundlings. Oh, okay. I came into the Groundlings from the other improv companies. Yeah, that, was, that was enough credit. And was hired as a director. <laughs> yeah. to, oh, good to, for you. To That's come great. In there. Wow. Yeah. For people I, that don't know the Groundlings, it's, you know, there's Paul, uh, Phil Hartman, Paul Rubens, uh, just a, a now, plethora. Tell me about Phil Hartman. Uh, because you worked with him, and he <gasps> is uh, one of the yeah. greats of all time, I think, on, on Saturday Night Live. And The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Bart is touching her now, everyone. I'm such a fan of Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Yeah, he's great. You know, Phil Hartman, I think, is one of the most brilliant talents that I ever had, had the, the pleasure of being in the same room with. It was so... When, when I came in to audition for uh, my job as a director there, what they had me do was run a, ru- a workshop with the company, with the entire company. And it was Phil Hartman, and oh. it was Paul Rubin. And I was like, 
but what the heck am I doing here with Phil <laughs> telling him to do an improv exercise? Anyway, they were very kind oh. and very sweet. He was just the sweetest, most gentle, wonderful, brilliantly talented human being. And everybody this loved This isn't him. helping. I wish you would come in. Like, he was kind of a jerk. Like, All right, I don't feel so now bad. Now we're sadder. Yeah, now we're even sadder. He's my lot, Judy. You had a little John Lovitz there, too, didn't you, at that oh, time? Oh, John was Gosh. my protege. I oh love my. John Lovitz. Ah, I love it. That's so cool. I absolutely adore him. Yes, That's so cool. Yes, John was great, too. I, I was very blessed to work with an incredible group of people. Some of whom I could tell you bad stories about, but, oh, I but don't know. we've got all night. I mean, uh, I mean, moving no, on. No, 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 that's all right. That's so cool. Doing uh, working there gets or, or, or it was a short film you made. I think that got the eye of Norman Lear. Correct. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, I I got accepted into the uh, a new program that was at the AFI at the time called the uh, Directing Workshop for Women where they decided to take some women who were already working as directors in other arenas and bring them in and teach them how to make a film. So I made this short film called uh, Give Me a Break, and it was uh, a satire on Norman Lear. Oh. And one day, I'm at the, the film gets seen, and everybody at AFI loves it, and it gets shown around. And one day, I get a call on the phone, and... It's uh, Norman uh, Lear. Of course it is, because this is Hollywood, and that's how that works. That's fantastic. And he says, Judy, are you sitting down? Like, I, said, uh -oh. I said, well, I will. <laughs> I may fall down. Yeah. <laughs> I might not have a choice. Yeah. And he said, this is Norman Lear. And I went, oh, my God, and I sat down. <laughs> anyway, he hired me to work on some shows of his. Wow. Now, I wanted to be a director, but in those days... Women were not being hired as directors, so they made me a dialogue coach, oh. which mm. meant that I had to work with actors, and I worked on all different shows, a whole bunch of different shows. So in a way, you're directing the dialogue. Um, yeah, yeah, directing the dialogue. Well, they yeah. found a way to pay her less for a right. job that isn't as important, <laughs> right. but have her do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Right. Okay, so here's the upshot. After I've been there, oh, two years, I think, um, and they keep upping me and paying me more money, I finally say, I'm not coming back unless I get to direct. Good girl. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, the producers of a particular show love me by this time, and they say... You're allowed to use all sorts of names and uh, facts <laughs> and locations. Uh, We're not, not offended. Gonna, uh, you're going to have to figure that one okay. out. Okay. Anyway, they say they love me, and they're going to hire me as a director. And they're going to give me the last show of the season. And everything looks like it's working good. My agents are talking to them. And then the male star of the show oh. finds out that I'm going to direct the last episode. Mm. Oh. And he says, and I quote, I'll never let a woman direct me. Oh, oh what year was this? <laughs> Conrad Bain. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you're not? No, it's not. Oh, uh, you're not far off. I just threw one out there. But, you're, know, but you're close. <laughs> Schneider. What, what? Schneider. <laughs> Seriously, what year was this? Um, what year is this? <laughs> Let me see. Because um, if there's a 19 in front of it, yeah. we've got trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I know. If it begins with 19, anything, we got yeah, trouble. Yeah, this is in the early 80s. Wow. Oh God. That's, yeah. a, that's a dude left. That's why I thought Conrad Bank, because he would be left Robert over Yurik. from the 50s. It was Robert Urich. It'd be left over from that mindset. Yeah. Spencer okay. for hire. Anyway. <laughs> is so, that a Norman Lear show? Spencer for hire? I'm just naming it. Yeah, you're just naming it. So uh, the, upshot of it, the upshot of it was, remember I said to you earlier when you, I saw all your equipment, how cool this was that oh, you had yeah. everything? Uh -huh. The upshot of it was that I said to my agent, I'm through. Mm. 
Uh I made a lot of money with the Norman Lear people. I'm going to buy myself some camera equipment, and I'm going to go out and start shooting whatever I want to shoot. Oh, man. Good girl. Which I did. Yep. And what turned out that I shot was Legacy of the Hollywood Blacklist and got nominated for an Emmy for my first documentary. Uh, so that sort of started me doing documentaries, which is, you know, I ended up doing some television. I never did become a big television director, and maybe I'm not too unhappy about that. Because <laughs> I, I do love doing documentaries, and I love doing the kind of work that I want to do. Have you ever had the opportunity to, to direct television? Yes. And, and what is the difference for you between that and... Real directing, he says. Kind of <laughs> oh, uh, no, you know, I've always wondered what a TV a director. Yeah, uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you. For me, the real difference is that the directing a documentary is much more like improvising. Ah, mm. oh, right. And when you direct a on television, you're not improvising anything. Everything is time, con, you know, constrictions, and everything is decided for you in advance. And you really come in to a show almost like. A traffic cop because everything has been set. The look has been set. The style has been set. Right? There's three cameras. You don't really get to be creative with your framing and your shooting and your positioning. So I didn't really love that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I do love doing documentaries because stuff happens that. The story reveals itself exactly. as you yeah. go, and exactly. then you weave it all together, exactly. like they say. The best improv is all based on probably you know mistakes, and you weave it in and keep going. I'd be yeah. a great um, documentarian then, because I'm all about the mistakes. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Make them everywhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I saw Norman Lear this year. Uh, well, last year, 2015. Where? Uh, I did a Q and A down at the SAG, down at SAG. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I thought, well, here's a chance to go glimpse a legend. <laughs> I'm going to take it. So. Yeah. Went down and he's as uh, spry as ever. I mean, he's got to be ninety now, right? He is in his nineties. Yeah, yeah, but he—you wouldn't know it. Talk to him; he's sharp as a tack, and he's got opinions on everything. Yeah. and uh, had stories for days about you know his huge career. Yeah. He used so. names. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> he's Norman Lear. He, he named can. names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, let me ask you what we ask every guest who comes on the show. What's your favorite movie of all time? My favorite movie of all time is The Wizard of Oz. That wins. That's a winner. Not the first time it's been mentioned here. Okay, and you know why? Because when I was a little girl, that was the first movie I ever saw that had a girl as the lead. And she wasn't a wimpy little girl. She was a brave girl who had adventures, who did things. She was scared, but she did it anyway. And she was smarter than everybody else around her. And I said, that's my kind of girl. You, know, you bring up a good point because you guys wouldn't know this because you're not, you've never been a little girl. But when you're a little girl, you never think that you, you just go about stuff. You'll hear a noise and you'll be scared, but you'll go anyway. You never think to just wither and not help or, you know what I mean? Or to call or to somebody call, for help. Help me. <laughs> you help just me, kind man. of go, oh, there's a dog on that side of the fence. I'm going to get on this side of the fence. You just are being in your life. But you don't see that given back to you in any sort of media at the time. Not until later do they start making characters who are women who can make you know these brave decisions. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, you're probably going to be surprised hearing Uh-oh. this come from me because it's going to sound a little sexist and insensitive. But uh, Why would I be surprised? Yeah, exactly. Shocking, exactly. You've been here a short amount of time, and you know not anyway. to be surprised. But I guess I'm just being really impressed by the fact that it mattered to you what 
sex that character was. It it was noticeable to because you. Because it looked was a girl. like her. When well, you look in saying. the mirror, you don't look like boys. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is that we, as men, you we know never why? really have to be, be- challenged with that. No, no because you right. never not see yourself doing something awesome. This is the point I'm making. Oh, yeah, so I'm that, sorry. No, no, agreeing. you're agreeing with me is that, ah. that it really, for whatever reason, the way you've explained this to me or mentioned it, I was like, wow, I guess it really does matter at the end of the day that you can identify with this person on that level. You're not sexist. You're enlightened. Thank there you. you go. There you go. It the just happened you know. here, though. Like, <laughs> you know, it just happened here right now. This that, is the first that, time. That, We're here is, for it. That is the effect that I hey. want to have on the world. Thank God you showed up today. Yeah. Pull that quote for a drop in the future. <laughs> 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 you're not sexist. You're enlightened. Yeah. Next time he talks about cankles, drop that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you make of the uh, same year as as Wizard of Oz was Gone with the Wind, 1939? Yeah. Both Victor Fleming, too, right? It was a crazy huge year, I think, for that director. Yes, yes. But the opposite, that woman. Actually, she goes on a journey to get to where she can take yeah, care of Yeah, what do you make herself. of her? Heroine or needy? Or what do you make well, of uh, I think it was booze. Vivian I think her problem that. was booze, right? Yeah. Scarlet O'Hara. Oh, heroin. Oh, no, Scarlett O'Hara. Scarlett O'Hara. You asked her if she was a heroine, and I thought thought she had a drinking problem. I think she would have been more interesting (laughs) if she were. How quickly you're unenlightened. Yeah. It didn't take. (laughs) Give with one hand and take with the other. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I I wasn't very crazy about Scarlett O'Hara. I didn't care for her. I thought she was a a wuss. She needed Mm. Rhett too much? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. I I always saw her as a, a strong kind of woman who just plowed ahead, and she was a little manipulative, but that was to her own survival. Oh, right. Ashley. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Very but, human. Uh, you know, she may seem strong in her circumstances because, truthfully, women are very strong in whatever circumstance they're put in. But the framework of the story, I thought, was way hmm. too. I feel some more enlightening come on. For me, it got a little soapy. Anyway. I, 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 would like, I would like to say something about both those movies, Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. Everybody in this room, I don't know if you have the same experience I do, when they finally do come on or whatever, and you realize they're not widescreen, like they're square, like oh, they're yeah. old movies. Yeah. But I, I think of both of those movies as these panoramic yeah. stories because the environments are so, like those gigantic you know, shots. Is Gone, Gone with, with the Wind square? Yeah. Well, I you saw it on the big square and you're like, Wow, that's so weird. Like I never, my every my memory is widescreen vistas and first and only time I ever saw it was on the big screen. So yeah. I forget if it was yeah. square because it seemed big to me. So it's I yeah. square. Wow. Yeah, that's not to say that the movie isn't a great movie. The no. movie right. is great. You know, well, that's how good it is. It it, it kind of makes you feel yeah. you're seeing this vista. But uh, I just hear you know alternate what? opinions about Scarlett O'Hara whether she's a yeah. hero. Well, or here's not. something I just thought of. Is so whenever a lot of times movies before women started becoming the you know, interesting, strong women became the lead. It'd be like if you guys grew up on movies and every man character was like Peter Pan, (laughs) right? So you would watch Peter Pan and be like, but I don't feel like that. I'm not like like Peter. So weird. Yeah, it's another whole movie right? with a businessman, and he's just like, "Eh." excellent, Karen. That's why it's exciting when you finally see Harrison Ford and you go, yeah, 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 I want to be like that. Not Peter Pan. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, well, let's go Back from... Back to uh, being enlightened. Right? <laughs> Judy's favorite movie of all time to... What did you see this week? What did you see this week? <laughs> By the way, Adam Pascal. Yeah, singing that. Singing that song. How great is that? 
Just a guest on the Howard Stern wrap-up show. Oh, wow. Just today. Today. So, there's How your movie cool. guy's bump. Also, congrats to him. He's yes. in a new show, I believe, on Broadway and uh, and uh, sat in. That's today. very cool. So that was tons of fun. Uh, but let's, what did we all see this week? Um, this is going to dug- dovetail very nicely what we were talking about with women's issues. We saw Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot, the Tina Fey movie. We just saw that last night. And... It, it's got the bum ba da bum ba bum The whole situation <laughs> happens. <laughs> but one thing that I did take away from it that I thought was really neat is that she goes over to Afghanistan and she goes and is embedded with these soldiers. And at one point, they go to this well that is in a town that keeps getting blown up. And they're fixing the well again. And they've been there a couple of times. And this one Afghani- Afghan woman gets her attention to go around the corner and then she kind of follows, and at this point, she finally knew how to speak the language. And she went into this room, and they all take off their burkas and they talk to her. Turns out that they were the ones blowing up the well because the men are always so present and, you know, on top of them and paying attention. The only time they get to talk and be themselves is walking down to the river to do their work, which the men don't want to do. So they keep blowing up the well, and they're like, could you just not fix the well and say that you're mad and you're not going to fix the well? So she goes, I get it. Even these women in Afghanistan, the only way they can get any peace from these men is to do hard work and labor to get down to the water just so that they can be left alone. Even these women in Afghanistan, all they want to do is gab. Gab Gab with one another. (laughs) And they have to figure out a way to gab. Breaking stuff and gabbing. (laughs) That movie is a one-hour, 51-minute reason to n- never go to, as, all, as they all are, to never go to Afghanistan. I also, I, mean, I also think Tina Fey, if you were to actually hang out with Tina Fey, that seemed like what she's like. Mm. That's the most Tina Fey-y of a movie I've ever seen. She's just so like herself. Yeah, she's quite good in it. The, the, yeah. the parts don't equal a whole, like, there's not an overall theme to it. It's kind of like, she goes over there and a bunch of stuff happens. Yeah. 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 You know, it, almost to where all of our all of Afghanistan and Iraq to seem like a distraction and then you go back to your real life as opposed to anything you really learn Um, I don't know what you get from that part of the world outside of out (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) but uh, but yeah she's very good in it Um, and it is amazing at every turn there's there are women telling her to Break up! Don't hold that man's hand. And women, women telling her she's a whore and put her thing because they're so brainwashed with just how you need to be covered up all the time and you need to just submit to man's rule all the time. Uh, that part gets across quite well. In fact, you know, you probably heard about it. It's a little more drama than comedy. Yeah. Despite the trailer. I liked it. I liked it better than <laughs> Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, Deadpool, not me. your thing. Uh, I thought, I thought you'd get over sort of the repetitive action stuff that you don't like because the dialogue would be so cool. Uh, and the dialogue was cool in that movie. I thought it was yeah. a ton of it, so but it was it wasn't it's quite. So Iron it Man. wasn't Iron Man, wasn't which I really Man. liked. Yeah. Oh boy, that dead Deadpool. That the progression that superhero movies have taken. You know, I'm a fan, but uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're in another place right now where where Deadpool made that amount of money and nailed the concept of the comics so well. It's crazy. It's a crazy great adaptation, and not an easy one to do. I don't think. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Mike J. Nichols, friend of the show, to- called Deadpool a fantastic team effort. I'm just going to steal that quote mm. from you, and you'll hear me say it. But I like the I like the way he put that because, you know, it doesn't seem like it's got a huge director stamp on it. It doesn't have like Ryan Reynolds' ego all over it. It just yeah. kind of seems like everything came together. And plus, if you hear about how long it took to make Deadpool, yeah, I mean, like a ten year 
trip almost to get it made because people wanted to have that character have his own movie, but then it's like, no, we shouldn't. And then X-Men kind of took off, then Marvel took off. Maybe we should. Then they did it, and it still didn't greenlight it. They did test footage, and they went, I don't know. And now it's like a $300 million grossing yeah. massive the test hit, footage so got so many hits, and yeah. then that made a difference to the studio. They're like, uh, okay, maybe we should because it got millions of hits. Yeah. What do you say, Judy? Is uh, all the superhero stuff a man's game? <laughs> I don't even know what a superhero is. He's sitting right next to you, baby. Oh, no. Ooh. oh Lord. <laughs> what else did anybody see? Do we have... Uh... No, I'm, I'm not a big... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh, I'm sorry about, sorry about that. The new Beverly check-in. Oh, yes. thank, you so, thank you so much for that intro, Paul. I had the greatest new Beverly experience this week. Oh, I saw several films. Uh, don't see Crack House. Not that great. No. Yeah. I can't Fred imagine. Fred Williamson. Hang on, I'm going to check out. Jim Brown. Anyway, Don't see it. All right, <laughs> no. thanks. Uh, anyway, that, that, was, that was fine. It was fine. I, I get it. I get it. It's a camp favorite. But uh, other than that, I saw the very famous movie Love Story with Ryan O'Neill and Ally McGraw. The, the uh, what would you call it? The Notebook of its time? The yes. Notebook of 1970? Indeed. The uh, Garden State of 1970? The, yeah, the, the Notebook. Yeah, yeah. you're good. The one everyone swooned over and then was like, oh, okay, it wasn't maybe with that great, but it made a ton of money on a on very little budget. Anyway, they have no chemistry because they're the most boring actors that uh, Hollywood really has ever produced, right? Those two are stone faces? Yeah. Yeah, but they're charming it up, and but it's kind of fake and stuff. But I get there. I get there in the middle of the Pepe Le Pew, Pew cartoon. Quentin shows cartoons and trailers before the movie. And I sit down and find the right place in the row. And I look to my right, and there's Quentin Tarantino sitting next to me. In his own place. <laughs> yeah. In his Did own he have place. his own row? Was it like. No, roped no, up? no. He had uh, two seats marked off, and he had him and a friend. Oh, okay. So. I'm curious where are the seats that Quentin Tarantino would want to sit? Is it halfway yes. back? Is Good it on question. the side? It's great. I know that now. Aisle? Is, is he an aisle guy? Uh, four rows back, slightly right of center. <laughs> Important to know. Effects. That is the penis size of movie going. I think we just measured. I think it's a first. That's I think that's where I'd want to know. sit. You want to be overwhelmed, right? You, wanna, you don't want right? too much theater. You want more movie. No, that's where I would go. For Love Story. That was the greatest thing. It wasn't a martial arts movie. Yeah. It wasn't a black exploitation movie. It was Love Story. I've never seen it. I did want to see that. And it was t- coupled with Oliver's story. Right? And coupled with so, the yeah. sequel, which I didn't even know there was, and Quentin stayed for that. I oh. left halfway through. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. I get it. <laughs> Ryan O'Neill's uh, lonely. I get it. Uh, I'm out of here. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anybody else seen it? Really anything? fun. Do I have my thing? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> This is who we are, and here is what we do. What we do, here is what we do. PBS. What's on TBS? Actually, Paul, I didn't see anything on TBS. I finished it. I just wanted to hear that noise. Good move. See, normally, Judy, he never leaves the house, and everything he sees, he sees at home. All my movies are on TBS. As a matter of fact, Uh I have a question for Karen. Oh, I'm ready. We open the show with our our lines that we do where we quote a movie. Do you know what movie I quoted? Uh, you're the best in your row? Yes. I was hoping it was Ghostbusters, but what's it from? Steve Jobs. That line is oh. in Steve Jobs. That's amazing. Did I wonder, you not see it? I did, but maybe he was quoting Ghostbusters, because well, timeline, it would have been after it Ghostbusters. It was hilarious. He, he, it's the conversation where Wozniak and Jobs are talking about, he uh, probably what, was. what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? And he goes... You're a you're a musician. You're the best in your row. I'm the I'm the conductor. That's funny. Yes, yes. that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So I saw Steve yeah. Jobs, and uh, liked it. 
thought it was a good movie, but it's one of those movies that makes you wonder how much of this really happened. How yeah. much now clearly I think we can assume this didn't happen the way it happened. No, we actually went to the screening where um, the writer told us that he set it up in three acts and made it always come to a head, right? Was there a launching something new? Because no one would do that. He, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he did that. Yeah. Yeah. things together. But I did like the fact that um, there's a moment where he says, why is it that right before I launch something, <laughs> yes. people that's when people want to tell me what they really feel about yeah. it. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. There's there's a great moment at the beginning. Have you seen it, mm-hmm. Judy? Yeah, there's a there's a great moment at the movie where in the beginning where they resolve the issue of him being the father, kind of. Meaning, mm-hmm. in the first five or ten minutes, you could lose the audience really quickly if he doesn't own up to this one element. And you're like, oh, if he literally kicks this girl to the curb, I can't watch the rest of this movie. He's got to at least yeah, step up true. somehow to this to the responsibility that he has. And he does it just enough that you're like, okay, I'm going to be with you for the rest of the movie, and he's not a complete trick. And there's a great evolution to that in his relationship. But, yeah, I thought it was a a really good movie. I'll watch it again. I think it was criminally underseen and underappreciated by the awards season. I think that movie's just fantastic. Lots of walking and talking. Great walking and talking. But how about Danny Boyle, though, shooting and editing that thing so there's never a dull moment. Yeah, you know, walking and talking could have been. Uh, I do have a lot question. less interesting. I do have a question, and I don't yeah. think this is any spoiler alert. Yes. Um, there's a there's the sequence of the second um, launching that he's doing for next, mm-hmm. and there's a scene in the in in the hallway right before he goes out where he explains to Kate Winslet's character. I don't know what her name is in that movie actually. I, I forget. Yeah. Where he explains what he was doing with next, and it was a big chess game with mm-hmm. Apple. Can you explain me? Yeah, what they that were was? trying to get them to buy the operating system that he hadn't even developed yet. Is that the, is that what it was? Yeah, I think I'm so. pretty sure. But he said something like, "I'm going to get them to create my operating." Yeah, system. Yeah, because he hasn't. It'd be like me telling you all about this great new um, spaghetti sauce that I have, and it's got all these great tastes in it. And you're like, okay, yeah, I want that. And I'm like, great, give me some money. Then I take your money to go figure out how to make that spaghetti sauce. Oh, so that was the way Apple was going to do it. I they weren't so. literally going to to create the OS. He just ran out of money for the OS. Are well, you with he, me on he this had an I, Yes. He had an idea thought? for it, but he hadn't done it. I imagine that's what it was. Okay. Yes. They lost me a little bit on that one. Yeah, yeah he lays it out like as it making sense. But I need to watch it again to follow yeah. all that. Yeah. So. It's very fast. There's very a lot smart. going on. Yeah, there's, there's a lot on the flyby if you're not careful. I want to make sure we don't lose this because it's very important. The Ghostbusters trailer uh, dropped, as the kids say. <laughs> and I wasn't overly impressed by the Ghostbusters trailer when it came out, the first one, because I felt like they um, just talked too much. It wasn't exciting. It was just kind of just drone. It just was too long and boring. But then a fan remade it. And they did a fan cut of it, and I loved it. They used the old Ghostbusters theme. They did Ray it. Ray Parker the, Jr., right? Yeah, they did, yeah so and they did it in that. the style because trailers have changed over the years, as we all know. And so the old trailers used to get you excited about a movie because they would have the music would come in. You're not sure what you're looking at. A bunch of fast edits, a one-liner, a funny joke, a bunch, bunch of edits, a one-liner, boom. Then you're just like, I want to see that. They did it the old '80s style for the re- the. Here's a here's a clip of the, way of the recut you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> you're so stupid. No, that's not it. No, <laughs> no, but they didn't use any blinds. You had me. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Oh, I agree with you on that though, Karen. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you see anything this week, Judy? Yeah. Did any of you see a film called Mustang? 
No. No, what is that? Uh, new. That? New old. Mustang, brand new. It was one of the foreign language films that was oh, really uh, nominated. <laughs> you don't right. like to read your films? <laughs> it's like nobody's going to go see it. It's so brilliant. Oh, yeah. Let me write it down. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be at the Sundance uh, 6 or whatever? It, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Probably, right? I, it probably played for yeah, three probably days. probably had its run already. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Is it about a horse? No. Okay. It's about five sisters, uh, Turkish sisters, who, bim, 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 bim. Oh, who are being raised by an aunt and uncle who are basically, it's like the room for five women. Oh, no. Oh. They're basically, their lives are destroyed by these two people. I think I, I've heard of this. Yes. Oh. It's I, I think, yes, so this is ringing a bell. Brilliant. So it's going to make me angry. Brilliant. Did you see Son of Saul? I have just finished binge watching everything up until the last, I've got four more episodes. Wait, what are you talking about? Oh, wait, no, wait, no, no, no. You're no, no, about Better Call Saul. I'm thinking Better Call Oh, my gosh. I love Better Call Saul. No, that's fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Judy, I am I love that you show. You said Saul, and I just uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. in. As you should, because that show is fantastic. <laughs> I no, it. I have not seen Son but of the best, Saul. But the best uh, foreign film winner. Yes, I have. Okay, so you, have, you can't tell if that's better or not. I have the DVD, and I will watch it eventually, but, you know, you get kind of burned out on the... Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but that's why it was. That. That's why I watched Son of uh, Ho- Better, Better Call, Better Call. Saul. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I, yeah, Paul and I are going to an event on Saturday where they're going to show one of the episodes and have a bunch of the cast members there. Oh, how yeah, great. The, the Paley Center awesome. uh, yeah, Q&A, which oh, will be great. fun. That'll be fun. But uh, Mustang, so we'll put that on our list. Yes, Mustang. I wrote that on my list. I'll add yeah. it to my list. All right, well, Karen, you got a list over there of the celebrity birthdays. And that's how we end the show every week. Karen's going to run through the folks who are having birthdays who are big-time filmmakers or otherwise. Here they go. All right, starting off our week of birthdays, let's start by wishing a very happy birthday to Mr. Aiden Quinn, who turns 59. That name sounds familiar. Aiden name Quinn. an Aiden Quinn movie. Has he uh, made movies? He's made Yes, movies. he can play anywhere from moody to charming. You've seen him in Desperately Seeking Susan. Oh, yes. Did you see Desperately Seeking Susan? <laughs> love Aiden Quinn. I love Aiden Maybe. Quinn. He was in the Mountain Song movie. What was that? Um, Songcatcher. Songcatcher. Wow, that was a great Songcatcher. movie. Songcatcher. Catching songs. Adam, I got one for you. Here, he... Stakeout. He was in Stakeout. Oh, come on! You guys don't remember him? He has black hair, piercing blue eyes. Blink! Oh, Oh, Aiden Quinn! Aiden Quinn! (laughs) You're so stupid. Well, (laughs) clearly, you guys may not know of Aiden Quinn as well as some of us. Legends of the Fall. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. See? Now he's coming back. All right. He was actually Paramount. I just found this interesting because this week the Young Messiah opens. Aiden was Paramount's choice to play Jesus Christ in the production of The Last Temptation of Christ, but that was back when Paramount was going to do it. But they had a storm of controversy and backed out of making the film, so they canceled it. Then Universal picked it up and recast Jesus with Willem Dafoe. Oh, that's right. Which he, is the last so intense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? I could Ugh. buy a little blue-eyed Aiden Quinn, but right. Willem? But he, he, Defoe played Defoe. Jesus real chill. Really cool. He turned the water into wine. He's like just cheery, giving you a little... Yeah. Real <laughs> chill. like nodding yeah. to people. Real chill. Uh, well, I also, I don't the know... The first Jesus to use finger guns. <laughs> Kytel as Judas was the more interesting choice. He's like, I don't know He's like, a, you know, total New Yorker. Now, Aiden was in a movie called Stolen Summer. That was one of the ones from uh, Project Green Light, the first one that they yeah, made. Yeah, season one winner. And uh, if you... I had worked on that movie, so I got to see some behind-the-scenes stuff. And one thing that was really interesting is when Aiden was acting... 
he would need to, so if Paul and I were doing a scene, he would need to have sheets put up in his peripheral vision so he would not see any of the crew or other cast members and he could only concentrate on the person he was looking kind at. Kind of what Christian Bale needed there. That's yeah. Kind of freaked out. I have a question Isn't about that. Isn't that interesting? How Weird. do you approach that? Well, back then he was a big deal, I oh, guess. Oh, okay. So. Like, when you get, but did, I'm, I'm wondering if this he was something He didn't want distractions, so he wanted like, to be able to focus. So how do you mean, how do you approach sheet. Well, now that I have the job, um, yeah. here's this thing I'm going to need you to do that's going to complicate every setup that you do <laughs> during this movie. That's true. How it do you do that with your director? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's Probably how. because it's a first-time director, so you can push him around. Because yeah. that was the guy who won yeah. the contest, so maybe he was able uh. to do that. I don't know. Aiden Quinn, he, um, I loved him in Desperately Seeking Susan. Avalon. And, 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 oh, that's right. He was an Avalon, Avalon, dude. Um, I found this also on IMDb, and I thought it was kind of cute. He was on a remote island a thousand miles off the coast of Kenya, and the island didn't have electricity, but some people had generators. So he went to someone's house, and there was a video of Desperately Seeking Susan playing on their VCR. <laughs> it was the only television on the whole island, but somehow they were like, oh, yes. We have one tape. That's nuts. It's desperately <laughs> seeking oh Susan. Maybe you've seen it. I don't know. I'm I don't know. And he's like, <laughs> that, 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 that could be a version of hell. <laughs> you know, just a cabin with just that to watch. Now, Bart. Off the coast of Kenya. <laughs> right? Off the coast of Kenya. Now, Bart and Adam, I think this is kind of exciting. Why don't we wish a very happy birthday to someone you find charming and delightful? Because everyone tells you you do. Oh, Rebel it's Wilson. It's Rebel Wilson's hey. birthday. Oh. She turns 35 but can play anywhere from Big Boned in Bridesmaids to being boned and how to be single. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, that's, that's rangy. <laughs> <laughs> She's got range. She's currently starring in The Brothers Grimsby, which opens this week, as we learned earlier today. There she plays both. Yes, she big boned and being boned. <laughs> Getting boned by mm -hmm. while being big boned. And she can do it all. Rebel Wilson was born in Sydney, Australia, and she trained at the Australian Theatre for the Young People. And I submit to you, people of the table, now that we know Judy's even on board with Second City, it says here that she studied at the Second City... In New York. Mm. Uh-uh. Right? Mm -mm. What? Somebody's made a mistake. Uh -huh. there, there was never one? I don't know of one. I even did research to double check this. No. And no. and if there was one, it was back before Rebel Wilson. She wasn't born in 1980, so she would have been studying in like 90s. There was no Second City. It was actually Second City 2. Yeah. Number two, ND, and then CITI. <laughs> <laughs> I City just found Bank. that interesting. Second City Bank. <laughs> I was just calling a little shenanigans on that. But here's a fun observation, which I know Bart is going to love. I, love I looked at her. I love, all my observations must be fun. <laughs> well, this one is it's fun, but this one isn't just, uh, you'll see. Three of her first, okay, I went to her first five IMDb credits. Okay. Starting I know the first and going up. Out of the first five, three of them have the word pizza in the title. <laughs> That's not, amazing. I'm not making this up. That's amazing. So the very first thing she was in was a movie called Fat Pizza. The second thing she was in was Just a put in the title. Look, we want to make sure people are going to see, see it. it. So the second thing was a TV series called World Record Pizza. Oh, my God. Then Ghost Rider. Okay, yes. then... Pizza, the TV series. <laughs> oh, and now this pizza. this next one doesn't have pizza in it, but it could be a food. The wedge. Yes, so, <laughs> well, it could be a pizza, slice of pizza. Can we can we just spin? Can we just uh, as a table for just one minute? Uh, all of us spin the pilot for the uh, a fake show called Pizza. 
Pizza. <laughs> That's just so on the nose. Pizza. Pizza. It's actually just a coming together, a bunch of different people, all of them oh. living together in one area. And every episode the end was saying, they we're go, such a pizza. We're such a pizza. <laughs> one, of, one week we're a deep dish, and the next week we're just a thin crust. <laughs> ah, yes. But um, it says here on IMDb, it took a lot of people who had the power to say yes to pull the trigger for me. Since then, I've been thinking things have gotten easier. I'm not like anybody else out there. My skills, my abilities, and my looks. And when I'm playing Fat Amy, it's all about confidence and attitude. I would say that anybody here, if someone pulled the trigger for us, oh, yeah. it would definitely help. Sure. <laughs> I don't care if you're a big girl or a small girl. I think pulling the trigger for others. She does have confidence, so give her that. She yeah. does. Definitely. Well, yeah, she, comes on the, she comes on the scene yeah, in your yeah. movie. That's, and what people, that's what people like her. She comes out, and it's her movie until she gives it back. Exactly. Yeah. And there you go. And just like Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. True. Who's a groundling? Who's a groundling? groundling. Yes. I can't wait to see the boss. I went to see WTF last night, and when the boss trailer came out, I couldn't stop dealing with I would giggle. And giggle and giggle. Which one's the boss? About Girl Scouts. Oh, oh my gosh, her Melissa McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy oh, she's gets in charge of a bunch of Girl Scouts and oh. they all just kind of kick ass That's and they great. She is literally the funniest person out That's there hysterical. now. That's yeah. hysterical. She feel can't it? say two things without she, making me laugh. I can't. Doesn't she feel like it. Rodney Dangerfield? Yes. <laughs> like, like that sort of ball of chaos that she is. You're like, God, it's so like, it's, it really is like having a Rodney Dangerfield movie back, just in conception and how everybody reacts to the energy of the main character. She, and she's you know? not only funny, but she's beautiful. Like, when she winks at the screen, it's just gorgeous. And she's like, I know. Confident. Check this out. Oh, I love her. But, uh, Bart, you know how much I love when celebrities sing. This is true, Judy. Yeah. People stop me on the street all the time because they know I do the show with sure. Karen. And they yes. say, can you tell me two interesting things about Karen? Yeah. And the first thing I tell them is, bing, ding, 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 bing, ding, 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 ding. They like that. They like that. And then I tell them she loves when celebrities sing. I do. I love it. And so I went out, and I and this week we're going to hear a little Rebel Wilson because she is a singer. She was in those Pitch Perfect movies. And she was also on something called Super Fun Night. I'm a total nerd. <laughs> so I did not know about this show, which I need to go back and watch. But she's um, on Super Fun Night singing a little bit of their theme I'm song. I'm totally downloading Missy Elliott when I leave Absolutely. Because I need to hear the whole song now. <laughs> you play that five times, and now I I'm going to, to pay $1.29. Because I bet it's not a dollar. I bet it's Paul, $1. can $1. you no, I Actually, I just yes? need to interject with this because sure. I'm doing the GMC auto shows. And GMC's tune of choice right now, if you watch their commercials, is The Who's Eminence Front. Mm-hmm. And so people come up and they go, how can you listen to this song? Well, first of all, it's The Who, so it's great. I don't oh, mind all yeah. day listening to The Who. Exactly. And when it, but when it's over, I have to listen to it because we never get to the lyrics. Yeah. It's all just the music. It's instrumental. Right. I'm like, I got to get to the lyrics and I have to have closure. <laughs> so when it's over, people are like, you can't listen to this again. I'm like, I, as soon as we're done here, I have to go listen to the whole thing, complete it, be done, and put it to bed. All right, Paul, hit us with a little bit of Don't Stop Me Now from the opening of Super Fun House or whatever it's Super called. Super Fun Night. Here we go. <laughs> Super number one fun night. <laughs> and this is Rebel Lucky Wilson, fun. everybody. Lucky fun. I feel alive. I, I, oh, awesome. I <laughs> and the world, it's turning inside out, yeah. Floating around in ecstasy. Don't stop. <laughs> All right, that's, it's uh, nice to know that they didn't bother to pitch correct it. That wraps Just another movie. <laughs> that wraps another movie showcast, everybody. Together we're the movie guys individually. We are. You can follow us on Twitter at the Movie Guys for daily jokes and links. Also Facebook.com slash the Movie Guys, as well as iTunes, Vimeo, YouTube, etc. 
Thanks to Judy Chaikin. Yay! Yay. Yeah, thank you. Director of the Girls in the fun. Band. That's thegirlsintheband.com. Is there a social media thing for this? Yeah, for the there's film? A, anything you want is under the Girls in the Band. The so. Girls in the Band. All right. Yep. And I want to note a couple of screenings. Compton Library in Compton, California. Isn't that going to be fun? March, be cool. March 26th, free yes. screening. Uh, Diablo Valley College, Pleasant Hill, California, March 10th, free screening. Um, and then Glendale on the 10th as well. Oh, you know, this will probably air by then. So to- Tomorrow at the Brand Library. Yeah. <laughs> You'll all be there. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah get there. Yeah, this will yeah. air in the morning. And then get out there and see yeah, it right true. here in uh, Glendale. Seven, Seven o'clock. And then uh, is it going to be screened anywhere else? I heard something about PBS. It's going to be on PBS. Yay. Oh, awesome. It's be this, great. Throughout this month, it's going to be on PBS stations to celebrate Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. And all over the country, there are cool events happening with jazz festivals and PBS stations linking up and doing all kinds of live events with women cool. jazz musicians. So it's a pretty hot month for the girls and Good. the men. Good. I, I think yesterday was National Women's Day, too. Yes. Perfect timing. There you right. Go. Mm-hmm. International women's. Day. Oh, international. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Steve Scholes for his writing contributions to the show every week. And as always, we owe everything to Pat, Pat Peach. Peach. Next week we'll be back, and uh, you thought we were done with Jesus movies. No! Huh? No! Miracles from Heaven oh. with Jennifer Garner will be oh, out. Oh, Lord. And we will talk about it. Plus, another detergent series movie or whatever it is with Shailene Woodley. <laughs> and we will see you then. It's time to catch up on those.